like no offense, but looking to get through this so I can beat disintegration tonight. Nice. <laughs> well, why don't you just go play disintegration? <laughs> and I'm gone. <laughs> don't get him out. <laughs> Michael told me it was okay. <laughs> Can I just say, like, uh, like the little there's like a little part of me that's like super jealous, and then there's the other part of me that's like really happy for you, and that you like yeah. managed to get in on the uh, like friends and family or whatever they call this. Oh well, thanks. Yeah. So congratulations. I hate you and I love you. It's kind of kind of cool. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not opening with a song this week, but it 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 just doesn't quite feel right. It doesn't. No. It doesn't feel right not having one. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Timothy. Uh, hello. Welcome back. And it's been a couple weeks and a lot has been happening uh, in the last couple weeks. Um, some of it, you know, sort of uncomfortably close to where, where we live. And, uh, as somebody who lives in Minneapolis, I have to say, uh, you know, it feels like there's big change coming in the United States and Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be good, but right now there's a lot to be learned about, um, racism and the just ongoing segregation in the United States that is not okay. The status quo doesn't work. And, you know, uh, I think the three of us are pretty much in agreement that, um, you know, we need to educate ourselves better and we need to, um, we need to make change. And, you know, the three of us really, um, you know, I wasn't sure at first if I wanted to make any comments at the beginning, beginning of the show, but, the more and more I thought about it and the, and the more I've heard other people talk about the ongoing, you know, problems in the U S with racism and police violence, I, I just felt like I had to say something. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I have chapter artwork up for this chapter. Our, our friend, uh, Levi Hoffmeyer, um, who we know through games, but he's a fantastic artist. And, uh, Levi put together a, portrait of George Floyd that I think is pretty, uh, pretty outstanding actually. And so we're going to use that as our chapter artwork. I, I talked to Levi and he said, yes, please do. Yeah. It's beautiful. Nice. Awesome. Um, so if you can you know, take a look at that and look at that face and just think about everything that's happened in the last few weeks, um, because it has been pretty crazy. And I think a lot of people's lives are shifting around And, um, we need to think about it, but, um, you know, even the fact that I was thinking about not opening the show with commentary about what's going on in our country right now really does speak to the fact, you know, the, the privilege. And and this is a term that I think has been thrown around and maybe misunderstood by a lot of people. Um, but 
as a, you know, middle-class white male, you know, the, the three of us, we all fit that description. And, uh, we do have privilege in that we didn't have to talk about racism in the U S and hate crimes and, uh, you know, whether or not you're going to have stable housing or, you know, police are, you know, going to break down your door and, and shoot you while you're in your bed. Like, yeah, we don't have to open up and have that conversation and that in itself, that's privilege. Um, and it is uncomfortable to, to sort of turn the eye inward and analyze a lot of the ugly truths about what our social system is built on and how it works. Um, but I, I just, I think that really needs to happen. And, um, we're going to put some links in the show notes. Um, uh, you know, I really, I think the main thing that I could ask from anybody who listens is if you're not sure, if you don't understand what's going on, um, or even if you, if you think we're wrong to be saying what we're saying, um, you know, I wholeheartedly disagree with that, but learn, go educate yourself. And we're going to put some links in, in the show. And, uh, there's a lot of information out there to understand about, um, how people who are in, you know, non-white communities are treated by the police. Um, how some of the systems that we have just don't work for a lot of people in this country. I watched John Oliver's thing on it and, and honestly, I, I knew everything that he said in there because I'd, I'd done my own research before he came out with that video. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was really interesting seeing a guy who has covered some truly terrible topics who basically just stopped joking like about halfway through the episode. He wasn't even really telling jokes. Yeah. He was insulting people and it wasn't in a humorous way. It was just, he was flat out telling people to go F themselves because of the racist stuff that was going on. Um, and then, The other thing I'll add is um, I think the thing that really kind of hit me hard while this was going on is I was totally aware of all the the amount of racism that was going into like police stops and police brutality. But the thing that was really like brought it to another level, not just on racism, but just on the police state that apparently we live in is people are filming them and they don't care. Yeah. They're flat out attacking people for nothing on camera and they know they're on camera and that's incredibly should be scaring everybody regardless of whether you think we need an armed police force in the way that we currently do or not. The fact that they're willing to do that should scare you. Yep. Agreed. And and if you're not if you're not convinced if you don't agree with us, go go and watch those videos of what the police are doing to protesters. They're uncomfortable and they will make you, if not mad, they'll make you incredibly uncomfortable about your feelings about the police. And, and that's important because those people aren't being held accountable. Yeah. So even if you look at that and you say, "Oh well, that's just a bad apple," okay, so what's happening to that bad apple? Because nothing's happening. 
And that's the change at minimum. The very minimum change that needs to be done is that when these people are doing terrible things in the line of their duty, when they shouldn't be doing terrible things, they need to be held accountable. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd also say just real quick, if, if you don't think you have a voice, you don't have money to support elections are coming up everywhere yeah. in the country. And that at minimum is where you can support and you can put your voice to help. And, uh, there's laws in pretty much every state that are being put forward and, uh, you can, you can vote for them to help change what needs to be changed. Yeah, I think it's it's easy uh, for a lot of us to stick our head in the sand and say, this doesn't concern me. Um, but it does, because we all inhabit this world together. And I'm a, I'm a fairly big believer in the, um, you know, am I my brother's keeper? Um, I know we don't all have the same worldviews, but I, I do think we have a responsibility to take care of each other um, and the systems that are in place in this country um, actively put some people, put minority people in a worse place and we need to do something. So kind of like what you guys were saying, um, if you, you know, if you can get out and protest, if, you know, it's safe to do that, you know, illness wise, we're, still kind of going through this pandemic thing um kind of get out and protest if you can right well (laughs) yeah there's 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 places where it's worse there's there's places where it's not as bad um but obviously we still want you to be safe from a health perspective let alone you know knowing that you're going to walk in if you're if you are protesting you may be walking into a play into a situation where um you may have violence enacted against you. So like be safe on both of those fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable doing that, um, you you can give money. Um, and again, we're in a like pretty financially stressful time. Uh, so if that's not something that you can do, um, I, I get that, uh, at least be vocal about it. Um, you know, spread spread the the word uh, via social media we've never been able to communicate with more people than we can right now um, in the history of the world so make sure your uh, your voice is being heard and then uh absolutely what timothy said um go to the polls and and vote for change yep and uh you know there was a really great write up um uh, president obama had put had written a a letter sort of an open letter and pointing out that it's not just like federal elections right that's what gets a lot of um that's what gets all the press right you know you have your your state senators you have presidential elections that kind of thing um but where the change is made where where this stuff really where the rubber hits the road is your local elections your you know mayors your city councils um your sheriffs officers like Yep. that stuff uh that's that's where the big changes are made and it does take time but it does work and so you know i think it's really easy for us to overlook a lot of local election stuff um it's it's maybe harder to research it's harder to get information on 
Um, but if you put yourself out there and you do do the research and you get out in your community and you understand who's running for office and what they stand for and what they're trying to do and where they come from, um, you know, if, if you're just that much more informed, then, then that you can help make that much more difference. Yeah. So, um, yeah, get out there, get informed and, you know, just, I want the world that uh, my kid grows up in to be better than what it is right now. Yeah. Thanks for for leading on that, Michael. Um, I appreciate it. And and our our ten listeners, I hope hope you all take it to heart. I do I do hope so. I hope we have ten. <laughs> <laughs> you know what had more than ten people in the audience today um basically everything else that happened okay that's probably true <laughs> okay the playstation 5 reveal? Yeah. Oh, there we there go. Go. okay michael that went right over michael's head no it didn't it really didn't i i was just trying to find any other i don't know i was like is it is it too soon you were to supposed pivot? to play along know. michael it was so much funnier if it went over your head oh right yeah mm -hmm. what yeah. went over my head <laughs> so yeah playstation 5 reveal um it, it feels weird to like just you know talk about tech but the, this is what we're here to do and uh there's a lot going on so we're going to jump into the show and uh i hope you enjoy the listen so yeah talk, talk, talk about the the stream what uh what grabbed you what didn't grab you i i was it was a interesting show to say the least uh i i've i think brett said it when we were watching it and i and i agree is i've never really like sony's presentation styles never really clicked with me and uh i thought a lot of it was the stage presence but man they like even in this stream <laughs> i just i felt when, like when there was I no stage Right, there yeah. was no stage. When you it, remove the stage and it's like, we can make this as tight as we want. We get to, you know, there's no live audience you have to deal with. There's no, like, technical issues. It still is just, it's, 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 I, I can't put my finger on it, but it, yeah, it's just a little weird. Like, it was a little directionless, it felt like. And, like, they kept switching from first-party games to third-party games. and And then they had this these long transitions that didn't do anything <laughs> they're just with their logo like flipping with around and doing stuff all yeah. those all those uh all those graphic de graphic designers at sony who are like bored at home are like guys this is our time to shine we get yeah. to make all of these different bumpers <laughs> yeah that's exactly and then, what it was and then they were basically their boss was like you can't cut a single second of those bumpers they worked yeah. hard on those bumpers i feel like you could have done something cool uh where like each this probably would have infuriated people but like each of those transitions was like show like a you know one of those like hyper rendered close-ups of parts of hardware mm, yeah so like over the course of the show you're kind of getting these little teases and then at the end you show the hardware and well, and honestly with how weird the design was we wouldn't have even known so i don't oh, think no. it would have driven people crazy <laughs> yeah um, yeah no, but I, I will say it especially started strange because 
like and this seemed more like something they should have done like as a pre-show thing like maybe mm-hmm. while we were waiting but the first thing they show is grand theft auto 5 which is a game that's already out and they're not even showing it on running on the playstation 5 in fact it says ps4 in the corner yeah yeah <laughs> I, I like I was confused. I'm like until it actually had like a title thing and it's like coming to PlayStation Five. I was like, is this like are they announcing DLC for place <laughs> for Grand Theft Auto? It was very strange. It was like they hit the wrong they hit play on the wrong five. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> or, yeah. or they were supposed somebody was supposed to edit in the five and someone's oh. being yelled at because they left the four. It was super weird. If that, but the, the problem is, if that was PS Five uh, graphics on that video, yeah. no one would be impressed. <laughs> right, wasn't, right, yeah. wasn't impressive. Yep. So, so yeah, yeah, that was just a weird opening. Yeah, and that was like uh, something that like it, it, so if you buy a PS Five, you get Grand Theft Auto Five for free. It, I, I guess. wasn't it only if you own it on PS Four. I think that's what it was. I think is that's that what it, it was? Yeah. Okay, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because they did all this through title cards. It wasn't like... Right. Yeah. Well, and and honestly, I think Sony's been trying to keep up with Microsoft in a lot of ways. Microsoft announced it as a feature, and Sony's been doing more of it title by title, where Microsoft's saying, hey, we support titles coming forward to the Xbox Series X for free. And if the publishers want to do that, it's fully enabled. They just have to tell us, and we'll do it. Yeah. Whereas Sony seems to just be announcing it for like single titles at a time. Yeah, yeah. Microsoft's kind of making uh, developers opt out, whereas Sony's right. making them opt in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It it is in, it's it's interesting how each company thinks, you know, in different ways sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So we can do a quick run through of uh, the games that maybe. Uh, interested you guys but i i definitely agree the pacing uh, what didn't really have pacing it was like we play a trailer and then we do a bumper and we play a trailer and do a bumper but there wasn't a whole lot of cohesive like arc about what's going on and then sometimes there's 30 second interviews after the trailers yeah (laughs) they were after the trailers yeah it was very confusing and then a bumper and then a trailer but no interview well and even more it was even worse than that because it's like they would always have a bumper between between like the trailer and the next thing but the next thing was sometimes about the same game yeah so it's like trailer bumper okay we're gonna see a new thing wait is this guy talking about the same he is talking about the same game yeah and then another time it'd be like oh no wait this guy's talking about a different game (laughs) (laughs) like new flow it was definitely a bit of a a mess um but it was it was still interesting I definitely appreciated seeing more gameplay yeah. in in this showing than what Microsoft brought last month. Mm. So for sure. Um but the Spider Man tease right off the bit uh, right out of the gate was great. Um that we're seemed pretty a Miles strong. Morales game. I, yeah. I've never been a Spider Man game fan, but I've heard really good things uh about about the ones that have been out. So mm-hmm. I think the the PlayStation Four one's the only one I've ever played, so and it was very good. I think, and I think this is a great move to introduce Miles because he's got different abilities, and so it's really going to change up the game on more than just a character level. 
And so for, for those of us who might not know who Miles is, because some people probably didn't watch, you know, Spider-Man, um, the Spider-Verse animated and he's been in, and he, yeah and he's been in comics for a, a little while at least i don't remember when he was introduced I, I, but... i'm pointing out my own complete yeah, and total yeah. ignorance <laughs> yeah, um, yeah yeah so so tell me about miles and why he has different abilities like what's the what do we know about that i mean it, it i mean it's comic books so this won't apply to all of them um because miles morales is even in the short tenure he's been around i think he's been around for about 10 years um he's had multiple introductions into the into the universe because mm. comics are crazy yep um but basically he was bit by a radioactive spider but he was bit by a different radioactive spider and so i was hoping you're gonna say he was bit by spider-man <laughs> <laughs> so he got some of spider-man's normal powers and then he's got some extra ones and and I think depending on the comic book, it was like the same company that was making the spider and, you know, just lots of different stuff like that. And uh, he's basically just a kid and kind of picks up the Spider-Man role. Yeah, typically he's portrayed a little younger than than Peter, um, de- depending on obviously there are some 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 storylines where Peter Parker is like young in high school. Uh, but I think tra- we've kind of seen Peter as a more of like a college to, you know, slightly maybe post-college uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and so he's this kid and yeah, his powers are really, the, the two that really stand out are, he has the ability to become invisible. Um, Ooh. and he ha- has electric, like electricity. It's so like electric webs and, and that kind of stuff. So, I think those two can make some really cool game mechanic uh, changes for that series. Cool. Yeah, it looks like an interesting game. Um, we saw a new Gran Turismo game, uh, oh, G- yeah. Gran Turismo 7. They're always gorgeous and uh, far more complicated than I generally like to get into with racing games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I that kind of comparing them to the Xbox version of, what is it called, the... Uh, Forza Forza is like Forza has ways to make it easier. And in all, in all the times I've tried Gran Turismo, it doesn't. <laughs> so it's basically like it has ways to make it harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I think Gran Turismo actually hasn't done as well typically because you can't make it more, more uh, ex- uh, accessible, but yeah, they are amazingly gorgeous. So, Gran Turismo is fun uh, if you have a steering wheel and yeah. right, and pedals, you know, like uh, th- those like the Logitech input devices. Yeah, um, that makes a huge difference with the Gran Turismo games. Whereas I think Forza is meant to be played mostly with a controller. Yeah, who knows? I might pick it up depending on on how the reviews are. Um, I can't help myself. Like I, it, I love driving around, like you know, Nurburgring in a fast car i just i just it's something that yeah uh see i've been i've always been more of a a city like i like driving through virtual cities a lot so oh, that's fun too yeah yeah there was they, they did a whole bunch of games i i don't know if there's any like that you guys are specifically looking for uh project athea stood out because it was a very very pretty fantasy world that looked pretty minimal on UI and stuff. 
Is this who the knows if... folks who did Final Fantasy um, 15? 15, yeah. okay. All right, all right. And uh, yeah, they basically kind of made their own sub-studio at Square Enix. And uh, they actually dropped support for Final Fantasy 15 and were saying they were working on their own projects and apparently that's what they're working on. Who knows what it's like? It's a very, very brief teaser. And if and if it's that same team, I'm guessing we won't even see anything about it until maybe two years from now so brett do you like cats <laughs> i do like cats do you do you like robots i do like robots do you like neon lights this sounds like it's right up my alley whatever it is oh man there's a game called stray and it's for you <laughs> and that's all we know about. And that's all we know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't it, I gotta be honest I couldn't not be watching it though like something about yeah. it like oh I was it was <laughs> an incredibly well done trailer yeah I'm I'm actually very very intrigued do you play as the cat is that the, like what we, we that's what I, so. I got from it okay because like I was gonna joke at one point they're like oh you're gonna play as the cat and like you have to get things from like point a to point b and then that actually seems like maybe what's maybe going on and like robots help you I don't know it was uh, very confusing, but I kind of want to play it. <laughs> wow. It was created by a two-person team. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing what smaller and smaller teams can do these days. That blows me away because there's like awesome like modeling and animation and like the cats. Like uh, it looks good. That game looks All good. Right. Here you go. Stray is a third-person cat adventure game <laughs> set amidst the detailed neon-lit alleys of a decaying cyber city and the murky environments of its underbelly. Players will play as a stray cat roaming surroundings high and low, defend against unforeseen threats, and solve mysteries of this unwelcoming place inhabited by nothing but assuming droids and dangerous creatures. Lost, alone, and separated from family, players must untangle an ancient mystery <laughs> to escape a long-forgotten cyber city and find a way home. Wow. Do you get nine that, lives, do you think? That sounds <laughs> way more epic than it should be for a video game about a cat, but I yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, pretty good. I just love the fact that they tried to make cat part of the genre. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. It's a third-person cat <laughs> adventure game. That's not like, a big. That's not a big bucket. That's not a genre. No, <laughs> it's a third-person adventure game about a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're just hoping there'll be more. You know, this is the first of many. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and then kind of continuing our theme from Xboxes of we are not big horror game fans. Returnal looks really cool. But it looks like it's going to lean really heavy on horror elements. Yeah. Can I just complain about the name? Just Oh, it's terrible. Name. Oh, okay. it's a bad name. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Returnal. Return. It absolutely all. makes sense because it's it's the combination of return and eternal, but it doesn't sound good. No. And and it just for the, the listeners, it was a it's basically like a time loop that you're stuck in. And it seems like every time you go through the time loop, things change slightly. And uh, you got to basically, from from the trailer, it looked like you got to figure it out while stuck in this time loop. So That's not the death loop game that later on. Nope. No. Oh. Nope. Yeah, okay. I missed like half of the trailer for this one. Um, so 
That's okay. But they, they like time loops. PlayStation 5, time loops. We're getting the return of Sackboy in a yeah. little, little so, game. Was there... Okay, so Little Big Planet, right? That was the, yeah. the that was the original Sackboy game. Yes. And I loved that. It had this, like, just... It was fun and whimsical and... And I think there was three of them. Were there three of them? Oh, my goodness. There were at least two. Okay. Yeah, there were three. So this is, like, okay. the next Little Big Planet but but we've changed the name to Sackboy. Yeah, I was surprised they dropped the name, honestly. Yeah, they, there wasn't... It doesn't even look like they've really talked about it post, like, in interviews after the the stream. So there's... They doesn't know... If, we don't know if it is really a similar experience to Little Big Planet or if it's going to be something a little more curated. Okay. Part, part of the crazy cool thing about Little Big Planet was that you could... It came with a world builder. Right. Um... And so it wasn't just playing through the game that was like already set out for you, but you could build your own levels. And uh, that was, that was a lot of fun. Well, and I kind of have my suspicions that that might be why they dropped little big planet as mm-hmm. a name is yeah. it may not have level editors. And I did, cause s- this was, this was fully 3d, which was never really a thing. Right. In- the other one was like side scroll. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I brought it up because it seemed like maybe that wasn't going to be part of it anymore, which yeah. is a little too bad. But um, I'll be interested to see if it actually sells without that because I think that was kind of the big selling point of Little Big Planet. Did either of you play on on? Was this the original Xbox Cameo? Um, like you played as like, like a like a fairy, um, like a Tinkerbell kind of fairy lady. I don't think so. It I haven't even heard of it. And she, I think she has like a sword. Like I played it back. I, I think it was original Xbox. It might've been 360, but I think it was original Xbox long time ago. Anyway, uh, there's a, another game by a small, like a three person team. I think they said a Kina bridge of spirits. It had a very similar kind of vibe. Um, it's very pretty too. the style. Yeah, it was it's gorgeous. Yeah, and it, once again, like sort of whimsical and kind of reminded me of a bit of. Um, uh, it kind of felt like what, what did you say? It was. Um, it's a, a Ghibli. Yes. With uh, Pikmin. Yeah, that pretty much nailed it. Probably, probably picked that one up. Um, it looks like pretty lighthearted, maybe. And I mean, maybe not lighthearted, but like um, not, not heavy, not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of heavy games. There's a lot of days. heavy games. <laughs> a lot of zombies. So the next one on the list that that really stood out to me was Jet the Far Shore. Mm, yeah, which um, one was that? It's that the was, one by Super Brothers. But yeah, it seems to be a little bit of a ad, ad, uh, little little adventure game where you're uh, flying around. Looks pretty um, stylized uh, in the art direction alone. It's one of those games like Gris where it's like I don't care what the gameplay's like. I just want to ingest it in my eyeballs <laughs> yeah i, I kind of got so. some journey vibes from that one yeah i don't know if you guys played journey on playstation 4 but i i think i started it and <laughs> never finished it I, I you know i honestly didn't finish it either yeah i think the the next one for me because they kind of had like a kind of kept switching between indie and regular yeah but, uh, the in the indie one i was i'm really excited about is solar ash kingdom which uh this is not when they announced it. It's been announced previously, but it's it's by Heart Machine, 
and uh, apparently is in the same world as their last game, which was Hyperlight Drifter, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really good game. I don't, I don't think either of you have played it, right? It's downloaded nope. but not played. Yeah, it's it's a Zelda style adventure adventure game. So, uh, it's really really fun, very very well done and gorgeous, especially for a pixel art game. It's just it's amazingly gorgeous for how uh, pixelated it is <laughs> <laughs> nba 2k 21 i i have never been a sports game person <laughs> no um and it didn't seem like much of a trailer like oh no this was a look at how good we can pre-render things <laughs> <laughs> it was so very confusing because like it was it's like okay this looks really nice but it's literally like this guy in a dark room so that you can't even see the rest of the gym he's in and he's just got like, the one ball and there's the hoop and like that's it well to be fair most sports fans or sports games fans just need to know there's another one coming out <laughs> like yeah, there's not yeah. A lot of <laughs> i think that's probably it um, but I was a little disappointed that they didn't show, you know, full court action cause, cause you know, maybe you know, ray tracing gets you some really cool floor effects or something. I don't know. We didn't get to see any of that though. Unfortunately not. I think Timothy's really excited about bug snacks. <laughs> I, I honestly tuned out during that and was, <laughs> was looking at other stuff. Oh, so weird. Yes. <laughs> and it just kept going. They spent a long, I feel like though, maybe this was like the, between this and Ratchet and Clank, they're like, we got to like prove that we have games for kids on here. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's maybe why they spent a little more time on each of these. Yeah. Uh, Ratchet and I Clank, Ratchet and Clank though is awesome. Like, uh, this, this felt like a very different kind of game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was kind of bizarre. I hope that uh the target audience enjoys the game <laughs> yep me too Mo- mostly the the name of the game just bothered me <laughs> bug snacks <laughs> you eat bugs snacks is spelled with an x an x which is like just <laughs> yeah instant no and it's one word it's not two words it's not bug snacks it's bug snacks yeah <laughs> right i don't want to eat any strawberries anymore though like i'm just sort no. of i'm off that for the moment yeah yeah for sure, for sure. I know I know Michael's also very excited about Deathloop. And yep. Resident Evil 8. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so much violence I'm actually, and gore. I'm actually really interested in Deathloop. Uh, it's made by the same people that made the Prey remake. Well, not really remake, more like reboot. And uh, the Dishonored games. And they make really fun... Uh, I don't I don't know describing because they they're like powered first person shooters, but not in the way that like Destiny is. It's like the powers are a little bit more visceral. I don't know how you'd exactly how to describe it. It's it's more like Bioshock than mm-hmm. than Destiny. Yeah. So I didn't realize this was the same group that uh, made Dishonored because I, yeah. I actually enjoyed uh, the first Dishonored quite a bit. Um. The second one, uh, something about the combat model just turned me off. I, I don't know what it was. Also, the console one for two was incredibly blurry. <laughs> that did not help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how is Deathloop different than, what was it, Project Athea? No, uh, Returnal. Returnal, sorry. 
Yeah. Oh, it's it's like completely different. So um, the way you described it, though, sounded very similar. It's like you're stuck in a time loop and you got to get out. Well, I don't think it's quite the same. I'm not even sure it's actually a time loop. It's more like a a death loop. Like, I don't think he's you always start in the same place. I could be wrong about that, but it didn't seem like he just went back to the same exact place. But also on top of that, uh, Returnal was was definitely leaning hard on like you're trying to solve a mystery. And I feel like death loops more. They're this trying... is just an action game. This yeah, is it's a, just an I'm going to kill everyone to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and it did. It was a lot more lighthearted, too, which is mm-hmm. a big difference. And, and honestly, that's part of the reason I'm interested in it is I really liked the Dishonored games. But they're very heavy. Like yeah, there's they are. there's no humor. It's just really grim world. So I'll be interested to see how they handle a game with a little bit of lightheartedness. Yeah. Michael, do you wanna share your reaction to Pragmata? Which one was Pragmata? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm, I, obviously I had a reaction. Uh I believe it had something it was something along the lines of WTF <laughs> this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so trailers like this just turn me off to games. It says to me that they don't have a clear vision of what they want their game to be. Um, mm-hmm. But they have some really pretty artwork that they want to show us. Yeah. So like there's like a space person who's in a space suit, uh, but it's like a military space suit thing. And they're like scanning a street and then all of a sudden it's like a street with uh, like a creepy robot thing. And then there's like a kid and then they're on the moon and then boom, we're done. <laughs> like it's just, ah, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. This, I feel like this uh, teaser trailer was more of like a tone piece and. And that's fair. If that's what it is. I think okay. that's, I think that's okay for a teaser. If this was like, buy this game pre-order this game now i would be like no because (laughs) yeah like you said it's not telling me anything about the game do we know anything about it like is it no it's like 2022 right so yeah uh, it's so far out yeah there's a tech radar article here actually has a great write-up about it uh is this game set in space or on a twisted version of earth or both (laughs) it's hard to tell (laughs) (laughs) I like uh, Games Radar says, um, who is making this and why does it not say a Hideo Kojima production anywhere (laughs) else? It honestly, like, I I knew it wasn't because it was way too early and they're their own private studio. Uh, But if Hideo, if it had been like, this is the sequel to, uh, whatchamacallit, their last game, um, what was their last game? Death Stranding? Death Stranding. If they'd been like, this is the sequel to Death Stranding, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Because <laughs> it's like a guy in a suit, and then like the baby was grown up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it so, was yeah. just so bizarre. But then I saw Capcom, and Hideo Kojima left Capcom in a very not friendly way, so <laughs> there's no way he's involved. So is this like Capcom trying to just mimic his style like probably we need more nonsensical games we gotta sell those (laughs) i mean i mean they they made like a metal 
Gear Solid game without him. And yeah, I think they're they basically tried to get rid of him. Which Metal Gear Solid was that? Uh, the last one. It was the last one that was like a multiplayer one. Oh, okay. It's like four no. or five? I don't remember. No, five they made with him. They removed okay. his name oh, from oops. it. Oh, it, that's right. But they released. I can't remember what it's called. But they released like a almost purely multiplayer Metal Gear Solid game I without tried, him, and it was a big flop. I tried to play the something Patriots something guns of the Patriots. That was four four. Yes. Okay. That was just astoundingly terrible. I, (laughs) I could not, I could not play the game. I really tried. It was so bad. Yeah. They, he's got such a weird style. And honestly, I, I tried a lot of his games. Um, I tried most of the, the, I've played the first metal gear solid, which was a really good game. And then I, I think the next one I tried was four and he like starred as an old man mm-hmm. and the story doesn't make any sense right off the bat and the controls suck. And then I basically just put it down. And there's like the over-sexualized women just like yeah. just over the top. Oh. It's like, yeah. Oh, what is going on? Like I just, this, this is no, we're done. And then I actually played a bit of five cause the, the open world stuff was really cool. And that's actually why I, picked up death stranding well i didn't really honestly i didn't pay for death stranding somebody let me borrow it um but i ended up i ended up beating it and it was the open world stuff was really really cool but the story made absolutely no sense so i i don't i i I don't understand the people that play his games for the story because even as somebody who likes very confusing movies (laughs) (laughs) it made no sense like there were some leaps in logic that you're like, what, what person would possibly make that leap in logic ever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the, uh, it felt like pretty much the crown jewel, uh, of the presentation. They closed with, uh, the sequel to horizon zero dawn, um, horizon forbidden West, which I, that was interesting. I didn't expect them to drop zero i thought it would be horizon zero forbidden west mm. so oh uh, so why why is the zero in the name this is another one of the like i had my list of things I, to do i is, don't know okay honestly i was expecting horizon first dawn i'm sure it was mentioned in the original game but there's a lot of lore pieces in there i i'm guessing that's probably like the name that they gave for when the nanomachines uh took over okay but i don't know for sure it's their judgment day yeah yeah there you go but yeah this this looked gorgeous and like a great extension onto a world this is exactly what i expected from this event yeah um i i expected more of these kinds of things um right in sharp contrast to the pragmata uh yeah. teaser thingy this yeah. this was how you do a trailer this is this was a great trailer. Uh, lots of fun to watch. There's some cool new mechanics from this from you know building off of the first game. Uh, great new locations. We got to see uh, the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge all in its overgrown glory. So really really pretty cool uh, to see how this this universe is expanding. Yeah, it uh, and it looked it looked really nice. Uh, so 
I'm sure this will be a big hit for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I kind of expected them. Like, there's a few games on here I think all of us were expecting, or at least it was the kind of game we were expecting. Because I was expecting Spider-Man. I was expecting Gran Turismo. Ratchet and Clank didn't surprise me at all. So it kind of started out like I was expecting. And then it was like this huge list of games that kind of came out of nowhere. And for the most part, none of them really like captured me, which is kind of what I felt for the Xbox event that we had Mm -hmm. already too, is it had like a couple like small games that I was interested in or that I was expecting, but the vast majority of both of these events was just like, I I don't know what to think of this because the ones that are weird didn't even show gameplay. So kind of, kind of interesting that that's kind of how this, that's what's defining this next generation is there's a lot of weirdness and unannounced or unrevealed stuff. Yeah. A lot of these titles, um, you know, they're very few of these were launch window titles. Um, you know, oh, yeah. uh, holiday 2020, most, most of these were 2021 and a bunch of them didn't even have dates. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. too. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, their, their lineup for the launch doesn't seem to be super strong, but that's, you know, pretty typical, I think for, for a new hardware release They you know, they have a few core games and I think the only launch window game that they announced was, uh, Spider-Man, right? Uh, there was a couple others that had holiday yeah. in there. There weren't ones I was particularly interested in, but maybe bug snacks. Maybe that <laughs> yeah. one. Well, that Astro's playroom is apparently something that comes on it. So, and then, uh, in a bit of a surprise, sort of, I, maybe, maybe the biggest surprise of the stream was that Sony finally gave us a look at what the console is going to actually look like. It doesn't fit in my living room aesthetic at all, guys. <laughs> Mine either. <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody has a living room aesthetic <laughs> that fits this thing. I I don't know what their obsession is with curved stuff, but it dra- it kind of drives me crazy. Like I I get it, it's pretty, but I'm not. I and I think one of our friends uh, said it that. I'm not, I'm not looking for something that's going to stand out in my living room when I buy a console. I'm looking for something that just sits in my, in my uh, TV stand and does what it's supposed to do. And doesn't overheat. Yeah. And doesn't overheat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and I this is like wants to draw your, your attention to it, which I find a little annoying. It's very ostentatious. I'm I'm kind of surprised we didn't get a like a little behind the scenes video of like it, it'd be all marketing BS. Right. But, you know, here's why we made these curved edges and how it helps with airflow and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Something like that to be a little bit like the, the Johnny Ive voiceover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just reminds me of the original PlayStation 3. I think that's the reason why it irks me so much. Yeah, I mean that's part of their design language, right? I mean that's that was the thing that they um, that they made. But you're right; it definitely sort of harkens back to the the PS3, the Spider-Man mm-hmm. PS3. Yes, it's also interesting that it has 
this like backlight inside of it. Yeah, I'm gonna it, turn that off. It feels very. <laughs> if, it lets you, if it lets me. It it feels very um, PC gamer like. Yeah, I think the only one of us who actually has a like gaming PC is Timothy. Is that correct, Brett? We still haven't like. We got, we got to build nope, yours, right? I have, have not have not pulled the trigger on that. Right. <laughs> uh, and t- yeah, the, and honestly, mine has some lights in it. I was about to ask. The only reason I leave them on is because sometimes I leave my office forgetting to turn it off, and then the glow reminds me to go and turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you know I think it, it's interesting. It kind of follows. One of the big jokes has been that it just looks like a router. Yeah, but it does kind of follow that design aesthetic that I th- certain companies just think gamers want this kind of look. Maybe they do. I'm more on the board of the, th- the thought that um, a little bit like how Apple tries to convince you that this is what you want. I think gaming companies are trying to convince us that this is what we, yeah. <laughs> we want. Well, but, I don't, but see, uh, Apple, though, knows where to draw the line. Because oh, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. look at the Apple TV. The Apple TV is just a box because that's what you want on <laughs> your TVs. You just want yeah. a box. <laughs> yeah. I, and I felt like this about Sony for a long time. This isn't new, not even PlayStation specific. They they like really out there designs. And I've never I've never really been a big fan of them. Um, yeah. But other th- other than the look of it, as long as it runs great that's that's what really matters yep. um i can i can shove this in my entertainment center and it'll it'll glow a little bit but it'll mostly be hidden and no one will have to look at it <laughs> how do you feel about the two-tone on the console itself rather than just the controller because we talked about the controller before i hate it absolutely hate it Brett. i don't i don't mind it um what got me thinking was the xbox 360 Imagine if those plates could be replaced with custom ones. Mm-hmm. You know, if they sold a front and a back plate that just kind of slid on, then you could do lots of really cool things with it. Like you could, you know, get a matte black version. I don't think that's how it's built, but um, I, there's potential for design customability there. You know, I had forgotten about the Xbox 360 exchangeable face plates. Yeah. yeah, that's like that's like from you know your Nokia phone being able to pop custom faceplates on your phone. Those will need the original model too. So yeah, wow, yep, that was so long ago. Yeah, the yeah, I had a couple of those. I I think though, honestly, the look is going to it uh, make me wait. I mean, it's not going to be the main thing that makes me wait, but it's gonna it's most likely going to help make help me make the decision to wait to buy the ps5 because it doesn't look like the launch window is going to be very strong no so i might wait and hope that they come out with one that's not white and black uh and when they do i'll probably buy it but um whereas the xbox one or the xbox series x as weird as it looks it's just a black box nobody's gonna nobody's gonna even notice it which is perfect so yeah, the the two companies went completely different directions with this. <laughs> yeah. The other really interesting note is that we have a a digital version as well. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Um which is, you know, slightly different in its design just because it doesn't have the the Blu-ray drive 
built in. I th- I think it even looks a little better because it's more symmetrical. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, the disc the disc one just has this little little extra love handle on its <laughs> one side. <sighs> it's just not quite even. Oh dear. Well, and I, I'm really curious because they. And and we mentioned it in our in our chat with each other. It's not surprising at all, but they didn't announce prices, and it, no, which is kind of a shame because I would have been really curious to see how much cheaper the all digital one is than the disc one with the disc tray. I'm thinking it's yeah, going to th- be like hundred bucks less. I, I, don't, um, I don't know if it'll be that much. I think it'll be like fifty. Bucks. Seems like a I... a lot of change. It, like if you're going to have that difference, you got to have a price split. Yeah, you know the rumors with with Xbox for a while now are that they're going to have two as well, um, a Series X and then a Series something else, probably an S, based on their naming conventions. <laughs> nice and confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know they've been boasting about the Series X being the most powerful console ever, and I I felt like. PlayStation, while it has some really cool, innovative things, um, when the tech stuff was talked about a couple of weeks ago, it it didn't seem to me at the time that they were like, "Oh, this is this is hardware that's going to bump up against that upper echelon." Yeah, but if they're leading with the fact that they have two versions of this, I think that pretty safely. I think I'm pretty safe in assuming that their high end one, the one with the disc is going to be as expensive as the series X. Right. Uh, honestly though, they, it's interesting because I've been reading a lot of, uh, a lot of what are they called? Analysts. Yeah. I've been reading a lot of analysts take on prices for the consoles and mm-hmm. most of them seem pretty convinced that Microsoft is going to undercut Sony because yeah, apparently sony is not willing to lose as much money per console as microsoft is from all the internal talk they've heard so it's going to be interesting i think and I, and that's probably i know that's why sony's trying to hold out because they don't want to get <laughs> <laughs> if they hold out long enough i think they're hoping microsoft's going to just have to announce a price and then they can they can set their price how they want but how awkward is it going to be in august when everyone's like pre-orders are going up in three days and we still don't know the prices <laughs> yeah look like just put your credit card number in and we'll charge you an unspecified amount of money uh sometime between now and november okay can, can you at least give me an upper limit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think both of them are going to be pretty expensive i think if the if either of them or both of them are 500 dollars, i wouldn't be shocked yeah oh yeah i i could see both of them having um, being over 500, which I know is crazy, but uh, yeah, I'm fully bracing for uh, 599. I'm yeah, that's the exactly what I'm doing. I'm expecting 599 and hoping to be pleasantly surprised. I don't think it's going to hit 599 personally. Uh, I think I think the fact that both of them have one terabyte drives to me feels like them trying to keep the price down. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's not a lot of space, even by the current gens file sizes. So, I I think that was that's purposely a um, 
a compromise. So I could be wrong. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's not that expensive, but I, I'm not expecting these to be particularly inexpensive either. Yeah. If, no. if they if either of them are 400, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more, more gaming news, but not PlayStation specific. Um, this week we got a pretty cool, well, Brett, why don't you tell us about this, about, about this new thing that was announced? This new thing. Oh, oh, yes. In the game that we all used to play together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we got to see the roadmap for uh, Destiny 2 um, ex- expand a little bit. We've got the fall expansion coming September 22nd of this year. Um, it's called Beyond Light. Terrible date. And <laughs> it's very close to Cyberpunk uh, 2077. So. Timothy's grappling uh, with Tim- uh, what game yeah. he's going to be able to play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not. It's going to be cyberpunk. It's just whether or not I take a break. We're all going to be wielding those darkness powers and you're going to get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll win you back over. Um, actually, I I am fully, fully intending to get cyberpunk as well. I just it may it may wait till closer to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, for for me i want to sink my teeth into that uh but yeah so but not only that we we got to see a little bit into the future um so we got to essentially hear the names of the 2021 and 2022 uh working title dlc's expansions for destiny 2 which are uh the witch queen mm-hmm. and lightfall so this is bungie planting the flag in the ground saying we are sticking with destiny two. We're not making a destiny three. This is going to be our, this is going to be our ever evolving game. You know, this is the base. Um, Though I I think all of us kind of agreed. We're hoping that's the end mm -hmm. as much as we like destiny two. I think we want them to do something else after, after lightfall. Yeah. I honestly was a little bit surprised that they didn't take so so by by plant like you said planting the flag and and laying out the roadmap through 2022 which is kind of unheard of uh especially for Bungie um yeah. but that they didn't take the opportunity here to say okay like the game that you know as Destiny 2 it's just Destiny right mm-hmm. like we're we're taking the 2 off and it's Destiny and we're going to, you know, continue this kind of evolving world. We're going to, um, th- one of the big things they announced was the destiny content vault, which is kind of like the Disney content vault where they're going to take things that are kind of older and hide it in the vault and then polish it up and bring it back out later on. But the idea people loved that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, people that, loved waiting 10 years to there's <laughs> see an updated version of Cinderella. There was no <laughs> problem with that. Yeah. Um, you know, they basically said that if, if the game, they want to keep adding and they want to keep building the world, but the game is massive. Like, you know, what did they say? It was 125 gigabytes, like including I mean, the, the next expansion. The thing is, though, I mean, it's big. Don't get me wrong. It's it's huge. It's one of the bigger games. It's not the biggest game on my hard drive. 
Is it would that be Master Chief Collection? Because that's technically Master like Chief eight Collection, games, right? Like that doesn't count. Yeah. Even even well, but even like the new Call of Duties are huge. That's just bloatware. I well, no, oh. I know. <laughs> no. I'm saying they actually do a very good job at keeping their file sizes small. Yeah. For as big of a game as Destiny is, um, so it's it's. I think it's more of a. It it just is going to make their work on the back end a lot easier to to kind of cull some of this stuff. And they did mention that they said, uh, they mentioned when they said it was big game, that it wasn't just file size; it was complexity of all the systems and all the all the locations that they have to keep up to date. Yeah, and I totally believe that you know. Um, and if you're like, it's there's a lot to maintain there. Um, but yeah, I was a little surprised they didn't pull the, the number two off the title and say, you know, we're just, this is destiny and, and we're going to just keep that title going forward as we do new releases. Um, but instead they said, no, this is destiny two and we're keeping destiny two going. So I sort of wonder, you know, are we going, so they, they announced that it's coming to both PlayStation five and Xbox series X, mm-hmm. um, as a free upgrade. Uh, uh, yes, right. Yep. And so if you own the content on on that uh console family, then you get the you you're automatically upgraded within that family. So you don't have to rebuy the expansions, which is nice. And I believe was is that in keeping with how they had done it with like the older consoles or or did we have to no. buy them separately? You had to buy them separately. Okay. I couldn't remember That's how really that worked. We did. Um yeah, so so that was pretty big news. And then uh, they even mentioned that it's going to have cross-generation play uh, right. between Xbox One and Xbox Series X and PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Um, Which I, I don't think was that much of a surprise on the Xbox side of things, right? Right. But for the PlayStation, that was big because, like we said earlier, PlayStation hasn't been real upfront about here's our policies with ps4 to ps5 games yeah they, they've they just kind of covered individual games and not mm-hmm. listed a policy the and then the other thing they hinted at in that same conversation is they do want to do cross-platform play and they don't they can't promise it but they said maybe next year there's a little bit of so, wink wink nudge nudge kind of going on i'd love to see that i would love to see cross-platform i feel like i remember in the like back in the days of the Destiny 1 beta, someone had asked some, there was an interview or something, an article about Destiny, and they were like, oh, is cross, you know, cross play happening? And the answer was no, but you know, like a lot of that stuff is happening through our mesh network on the back end, so it would just be a flip of a switch. And I think people uh, exaggerated that over time. Uh, obviously it is a very large technical challenge and I'll be grateful whenever it does happen, if it happens, but kind of cool that it is at least being talked about. I, I think, I think that's two different scenarios combined. Cause I think it was somebody asked Bungie and I could be wrong. So not trying to say I'm right, <laughs> but I think what it was is somebody asked a Bungie employee, uh, what about crossplay? And they said, well, we'd love to do crossplay, but all the companies have to agree. And I think that's mm-hmm. all Bungie ever said. Okay. And then there was another company. I think it was actually the people that make uh, 
the rocket uh the car game with the soccer rocket league rocket league who were like yeah we could literally just flip a switch and it would be on ah. and they even did it once. Said, it was it, too. Right? yeah they they did it and like this sony got really mad at him <laughs> <laughs> oh my of course it was so classics classic sony oh sony you're so crazy i mean to be fair microsoft did it in the past when they were winning so you can't oh, yeah. I, I i i realize that people can't see it i'm using air quotes when i say winning because that's <laughs> such a meaningless term nowadays for consoles but yeah it'll be it'll be cool to get to play through some of that destiny one content as it gets rotated back in into destiny two through the through the vault um i'm i'm hoping we we get some of that d1 gear back oh i didn't even think about that yeah i well yeah it's like look i want to play vault of glass just to play vault of glass but i'd also love that armor set back man oh well, and, it, and it really makes me wonder like the at the end of destiny one the all the weapons were exotics from the uh, the adept the, versions the adept versions were exotic yeah i totally forgot so is, about that is it going to come back like that or are we going to get the original ones or are they just not going to even bother with it and we're just going to get destiny 2 versions of them my guess is we get destiny 2 versions yeah. of them they'll be sunset the, the one thing i didn't <laughs> like about i didn't i don't know i wasn't fully on board with the destiny content vault concept i i totally get having to roll sort of the current less played content out of the game to make room for the new hotness. Um, that, that makes sense. Things go in cycles. Um, I'm going to, I was surprised at how much the main game content is going to be taken out of the game. Um, starting in September, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, it's the entire planet of Mars is gone um the leviathan which means so that's a substantial amount of raid content that is actually fun and and things that we've been playing recently five raids yeah and the menagerie right so like four raids four raids in the menagerie what else was going i io Io. yeah which means the the whisper the whisper of the worm is titan going to titan's going also yes like there's a huge amount of the game that exists right now that is going to just evaporate in september Um, Um, and i'm i i'm kind of with you it makes me it makes me pretty nervous i think the the only reason i'm kind of holding judgment is hopefully it's because europa is a really big piece of content and i'm yes exactly that was where i was going with this is is there's going to be a lot of boots to fill here and uh maybe that maybe the new content is going to be that big and that interesting uh, they did say there were going to be two raids in this next year right which we didn't even get this we got two raids? one i thought one well one's one's vault of glass oh right oh i didn't realize they were including that because they they mentioned two that's two raids coming that year which i yeah. didn't realize included that so but still two raids yeah with the vault though um the way they they've planned this out is that it's going to be on an annual schedule. And so every fall they're going to take some content, fold it into the vault, and then they're going to bring 
old content that was in the vault and bring it back into the game. But if we look through, you know, the roadmap of 2022, then that's three, that's three cycles. That's all we're looking at here is, you know, we got this September, next September, and then September, 2022. Yeah. And then after that, it's kind of a big question mark. Like I, I guess 2023, maybe like, I don't know how long Bungie's going to be supporting destiny Two. We don't, we don't know what it looks like past 2022 yeah um if they have something else entirely or it it's it's a little fuzzy and weird and you're i wonder you know like is this september going to be the last time that we see some of this content and it's just going to be gone after that um yeah which could be a little bit you know too bad if there's some stuff that was fun to play and then i don't know what this means for the new player um experience well i was gonna say you know it's this is one of those things where when when claire comes of age where she can properly play these kind of games by herself she's probably not gonna get to be able to experience the destiny 2 campaign i think the red war campaign is really really good i enjoyed it yeah but it's awesome but you're no longer gonna be able to do that because any missions on any of those things are gone. Yeah. And, and theoretically they may come back, but maybe not all of them. And so how do you, uh, how does Bungie as a developer build that into the game? I don't, I don't think you can. I think it just gets removed, unfortunately. And, and on top of just the, like, and not, not that I ever want a game just to necessarily stay the same forever. I'm not against games evolving. Um, but that's, part of the package that a lot of people purchased back in the day. And I know there's the whole, like you're not owning a game, you're licensing a game. I get that argument, you know, right now that content is free for people, but that's no longer the, I mean, that's not the case for me. I bought the game when it was $60 and now you're ostensibly changing that experience in a big way. Yeah. If now, now, what I will say is if, and, I, and I'm and i kind of assuming this, but again, they haven't, meant, they haven't said it for sure. If anything that's in the Destiny content vault comes back for free, I'm, I'm more or less okay with it because you're substituting content with more content. It's just different. Um, I, I kind of assume it will because we, like the, all the Red War was free right now. And I would, I would imagine that, when it comes out of the vault, it's going to be added to the new light experience, at least the campaign, not necessarily mm-hmm. everything, but the, the right. campaign. Sure. Um, but who knows? I mean, I like, that's just conjecture. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah they're, uh, I, I do not envy them. The, the complex problem of, of handling and maintaining the sandbox that they've built and the worlds that they've put together and, all the various events and everything it's it's kind of uh it's kind of intense if you think about how how much (laughs) they have to wrangle with that game because it is really really big but i i as somebody who hasn't played destiny uh i mean i've i've barely touched the game in the last four months i think um i basically skipped the entire last season of of content Mm -hmm. I think um, a lot of people did. I <laughs> yeah. I 
was pumped. I watched this and I was really excited about what I saw. So, uh, either, you know, the marketing team did their job and hopefully, uh, Bungie follows through. <laughs> Lives up to the hype. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I am excited about what we saw and where the story stuff is going. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I look forward to, you know, seeing what they, what they put together. Well, and I, and I will say the one thing I was hoping to hear from this that we didn't, and they did say it's coming. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize them about it, but I just really want to know how they're going to change the season model. Cause oh, they, yeah, they even mentioned that they messed up and there's too much FOMO with it. Um, so I really want to know how they're going to change it. Cause I, I honestly don't know how they can change it. Cause they obviously don't have, enough time or resources or both to make a full campaign every three months, which I totally understand. That's totally understandable. But what, what are they going to do then? I don't know. <laughs> don't know either. I, I, I hope, you know, I kind of hope that this, this is a pivot point for them. Uh, we know throughout the majority of um destiny the early destiny 2 experience they had additional studios working with them to help make those dlcs possible um while while most if not all of the team was working on future content so the big expansions and or what at that time may have been destiny 3 we might be able to see them beef up those seasonal teams a bit more um, since they are all in and they can really dedicate. Okay. Instead of having this big team on destiny three, we're going to have smaller teams on each of these expansions, but then we can even pull people onto seasons. I I don't know how, you know, their internal structures that well, but they're a big studio. So yeah, they should be able to um, as long as they're, other IPs aren't pulling off tons of people um, maintain, I think a higher level of quality um, throughout the next couple of years. Yeah. And that's a whole different question. Does Bungie have other IPs that they're working on? They do one, one for sure. Yeah. Oh, like we know nothing about it or how, like no, if it's, yeah, for, yeah. I mean, is it a team did you, of 10? Did you, read, did you read the job description for it? No. Was there a job description post? I, I missed that. Yeah, let me see. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It's actually an official posting on their own site. So this is pretty much as official as you can get. Yeah. And it's uh, for an incubation investment designer uh, f- who will help them build their next great IP. You'll work in tandem with our sandbox and economy teams to build and distribute items to our players. Uh living inside a giant database of hundreds of baubles, weapons, and armor, building a system to cleverly distribute those items in a necromancer's dungeon. And whether or not that's flavor just for the posting or it's actually descriptive of what's going to come out, who knows? Right, right. So Bungie's officially making Diablo 4, is that what (laughs) (laughs) And they do specifically say uh experience designing documenting and executing itemization investment or any other fundamental rpg game system at any scale so it is an rpg so it's it's funny though the uh this vg 24 7 thing talks about matter but matter is the 
<clears throat> the engine, right? Like that wasn't the right game. That wasn't the game IP. I believe you're correct. Yeah. So who knows how much they're actually. I would guess though that this is their like the the VG two twenty four seven article says it's the game they're making for netties. So yeah, yeah. They 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 kind of make a little bit of conjecture here in that second paragraph. Uh, like the the new IP is being funded and published, but it's like whoa. Where's where's your basis for that comment? Yeah, and that's based on the matter thing. So yeah, interesting. I yeah. I would I really would like to see. I mean, I'm sure it'll happen before Destiny's done. I want them to announce their new IP. Oh yeah, uh, I I think the folks at Bungie are very talented, and you know I want to see them make cool stuff. So yeah, um, yeah, and then uh sort of we've 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 been games heavy for a few weeks now um but there's there's <laughs> like a little bit of tech stuff i kind of want to drag into the conversation so we've got uh apple's got their not live in person worldwide developers conference online streaming thing it's uh, it's going to be all with memoji right based I, on the uh, okay. <laughs> sincerely think that Ooh. might be a thing um <laughs> Uh, that's on June 22nd, I believe. Um, and WWDC is where Apple announces all of their big major technical, uh, roadmap stuff as much as Apple gives roadmaps and new product, new, like completely brand new products. Yeah. Completely brand new. Yeah. And, um, and anything that's going to be like it, a large impact on their developer community. So, you know, new development tools, new builds of, you know, the operating systems, that kind of thing. That's all announced at WWDC. And something that's been floating around at the rumor mill for a really long time, but seems years, it seems to be like really coming, coming to a head right now is that, Apple is going to announce that they're switching the Mac platform away from Intel chips and to ARM uh, architecture chips, uh, ostensibly Apple-designed in-house designed processors. Which, if you've been paying attention to their mobile and tablet markets, they've been kicking butt at They've making chips killing it yeah, yeah. It, it's it's kind of ridiculous if if you're all interested in processor stuff you know check this out because apple's in-house designed arm chips have a single core performance that is just destroying anything that intel is putting out on the market right now and that like and that is for that Apple's, anybody's putting out yeah well I mean, not just yeah. intel so, right, I guess that's true. I mean, it's Intel or AMD really is in the in the PC compute space, right? Right. Um, but, but it's also important just because <clears throat> they're also kicking butt against all the other phone developers. Right. But the ones that make like Snapdragon. Right. But, you know, my the point I was, I was getting to is that Apple's not even like the performance that they're looking at isn't even competing with other smartphones. Like that's yeah. that's not even the same ballpark like apple's gunning for what's sitting in your computer like laptops and desktop machines and 
and they are outperforming something that's plugged into the wall with a phone that lives on, you know, a 12 to 20 hour battery. Like, yep. it's just crazy if you realize like the performance, you know, compute performance per watt um, efficiencies that Apple has been just eking out of their arm chips. And if they're able to transition and, and build a more desktop style chip, you know, what, what kind of performance gains can we expect to see from an Apple designed, you know, full power quote, uh, arm chip. Yeah. And a lot of people have been, there's, there's been a lot of anecdotal evidence to this for quite some time. Um, but you know, one of the big things is that with the, the, with Mac OS Catalina, the current, uh, crappy version of, of Mac OS, uh, <laughs> uh, the current version of Mac OS, you know, they got rid of all 32 bit compatibility, which from a user standpoint, like from, from a me as somebody who uses software standpoint, like that's a huge pain in the ass. And yeah. I want to be able to run old programs as well as new programs. I oftentimes don't want the new, new version of some software because it requires some the broken version. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. There's a broken version or it requires like a subscription model that I don't feel like I really need to be paying. Cause I don't use the tool particularly that much. Or you um, even have old software that's no longer developed and, and you that's don't have a 64 bit. Yep. Um, you know, like my, my parents, you know, both recently asked me, they're like, okay, so we're looking to, you know, do this thing. And my computer says I should upgrade. And, uh, I see that, you know, there might be some, some issues. What do you think? I'm like, no, don't go there. Just wave off. Do not install <laughs> Catalina. Don't even think about it. That is not the direction you want to go. Um, but unfortunately there's no like through line for them to be updated to whatever the current operating system is. And eventually they're going to you know lose out on security patches and that kind of thing down the road at some point. But this 32-bit sunset, like Apple telegraphed this and they announced this years ago, like four or five years ago, right? Like this was no surprise to anybody who's who's involved. Because, well, because this isn't like the first time they've dropped 32-bit support. They've dropped 32-bit in smaller, like if it didn't, I can't remember the exact thing that they did, but there was a bunch of 32-bit programs that stopped working several years ago. And then last year, they dropped 32-bit support completely. So they, it was staged. It wasn't all at once. What I remember was that um, many years ago, when, so when the very first iPhone came out, it was a 32-bit. And it pretty, they pretty quickly moved the iPhone and iPad platforms to 64-bit processors. And then... Um, after a couple of years, they told iOS developers, Hey, we're, we're cutting 32 support and you have to recompile for 64, but they offered some, you know, like it, they, they made the transition pretty smooth. Um, yeah. However, uh, you know, over on the Mac side, you, you got, you have really old software. You've got, you know, quick time plugins and you've got, um, got some some stuff that relies on low level you know it's bit dependent code uh, with the assumption that your processor is running a 32-bit 30, process and eventually yeah they 
they cut this out, but they announced it a long time ago. This has not been a surprise. It was not, wasn't something that any any current developer um, could have ignored. But, you know, like you said, the biggest problem is what do you do about stuff that was abandoned or, you know, yeah. no longer developed? And it's just kind of, it's just let out to, to die. And that's yeah. kind of going to be the unfortunate um, side effect of, quote, progress. But there's been a lot of discussion saying that the reason that they did this 32-bit sunset and they're going 64-bit only is to clean up the subsystems, clean up the operating system because we're switching to ARM processors. And this is a whole new architecture. But, um, you know, there's a big question about what do you, what do they do about all of the Intel compiled software that's now on Mac OS? And if, if you're going to go to an ARM instruction set, that is a huge change. And yeah. do they have like a Rosetta translation layer like they did I mean, for the PowerPC to, to Intel? Um, you know, this, this is the fourth architecture change for the Mac OS. Is that right? Cause we, there was the 6,800, there's the power PC, then there's Intel. And then if they go to arm, this will be the fourth, fourth power, power PC wasn't really that big of a change though. Like it, it definitely had some impact, but it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like the change to Intel. Yeah. It was a different kind of change. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like there's a, uh, there's, there's a huge amount of collateral that's coming. If Apple, uh, does say we're switching to arm processors. Um, I don't know what you guys think about this, if it's going to affect you like at all, or, um, I, I, I kind of wanted to get your read on it. And then, uh, I was going to give some of my like specific examples where I see some, some road bumps, some, uh, hiccups that are coming for me it's all going to be down to how they handle it um i'm not i'm probably not going to buy a mac, buy a new mac anytime soon so they have plenty of time to figure it out but uh the, the real problem is going to be what it supports and i mean that's obvious but it, that's all that's going to matter because if they somehow pull off a miracle and they come out with this arm processor and you buy it and you don't even notice that who cares? It's just a faster chip. But if it drops, you know, support for even a 10th of the programs you use on your computer, that's a really big deal. Um, Windows did the same thing. They did. They tried to make a stripped down arm version of Windows that would run on their tablets so that it would be more battery efficient and they could use these cheaper processors and it just flopped terribly because there there was so such bad communication and then on top of that you just didn't know before you got it which of your programs were going to work on your new computer you were buying that had an arm processor so even if you knew what you were getting into you didn't really know which programs were going to work and which weren't and it because of that it just was a huge flop. So that's that's what this is going to come down to is how well do they communicate? How well is it compa- compatible with what you're used to? Those are the only two things that are going to matter. Yeah. I, it, I And I am kind of in the market for a new computer here in the next 
year. Um, so I'll be, I'll be watching with increased interest. Um, because I also need to decide if I'm going to go, you know, do I, do I really want to stay with Apple? Do I want to invest in building a PC? Um, but if, if, if I stay with Apple, um, the the main things that I use on there are all either native applications or are they're pretty pretty big third party applications the Adobe Suite, um, you know, those are the things that I'm not too worried about just because they are billion dollar companies uh who will bend over backwards to make sure that it works on the new stuff and and quite frankly probably already know if when and how this is happening and probably are already working on you know getting their software ported over appropriately yeah so i i i'm yeah i'm not too worried about it but i'm i've transitioned into being a lighter user i use a, a number of programs pretty heavy but they're all native or really big so i'm i'm not nearly as worried about it and i and i, I i've talked about before i just don't use mac as much uh i mean the, recording the podcast is probably like 90 percent of the time i use in <laughs> mac os and honestly if i could find a way to do it on my ipad with the same quality and with the same mic i probably would yeah yeah you're you're mr ipad um so so for me so neither of you use boot camp right on your nope i don't okay Um, i have but i i don't got it so for me uh with my my current work setup uh, and i say current it's been this way since 2011 um i have my Mac OS boot volume and then my Mac has a Windows boot volume via bootcamp. I tried doing the the virtualization, you know, through parallels or VMware Fusion. Um and it generally works pretty well, but it's just not the same like as booting natively. Like it's not as responsive. You don't get the same 3D, you know, you don't get the same access to the uh, graphics card. Um you get a bit of uh, if you're using a lot of hotkeys on the keyboard, you start getting conflicts with, you know, like I didn't mean to, you know, alt tab in windows. I wanted to, you know, <laughs> like uh, <yeah>. the, the <laughs> command key and the windows key, they all get a little messy and things don't work quite the way I'd like them to. Uh, so I have been doing boot camp where I boot natively into windows and, and that's super important for me because my work requires me to be in windows. Um, everybody else I'm working with is running windows. All the clients that I work with are running windows versions of software. And there are like, even if we're in, you know, PowerPoint, there are nitpicky little things that change between Mac OS and windows, like font rendering, font availability, feature sets in the software. You know, there are things you can do in the windows version of, of PowerPoint that you just can't do on the Mac side because Microsoft, I don't know, doesn't want to. Um, and it, you know, there's just, there's a certain set of software packages that we use all the time every day that are windows only. So I have to be on windows for work. And on the flip side, 
there are a bunch of Mac and uh, Unix tools that I use for work constantly that are available, you know, that are useful and that I use every single day. <laughs> and so I'm constantly rebooting my computer or I have two computers running side by side, running, running Mac OS when running windows. And, um, the big thing that I'm concerned about with this arm transition is bootcamp and what, what's going to happen to my ability to run dual operating systems on my hardware. And I pretty much expect that to go completely just flying out the window. Um, which is really unfortunate because I really like the Apple hardware. You know, they make really solid machines. The, the laptops that I have are total workhorses and I, you know, I use and abuse them like crazy for years. And then I get a new one and upgrade it and, you know, <laughs> do the same to it. Uh, and I got part of the, one of the main reasons that I picked up this new Mac pro uh, earlier this year was because I sort of felt like the writing was on the wall with the, the sunsetting, getting rid of Intel, moving to arm. And if Apple's going to start going that direction, um, and I'm going to have one machine, I wanted it to be a, a Mac that ran everything I needed to needed it to do really well and could also run windows and, you know, kick ass at that too. And if, you know, if they're going to start switching to ARM processors, I'm going to have to rethink my whole sort of compute structure. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's a really long way to say. I am not particularly looking forward to how this is going to affect me and what this means for me having to like go buy a crappy Windows PC somewhere. Um, I am not particularly fond of any of the Windows laptops that I've ever seen uh, and i've seen many many yep. many of them like you know <laughs> think pads all right they're kind of okay um but you know it, show me a single windows pc that has the display quality of what i can get on a macbook pro doesn't exist yep. doesn't even come close um battery life nope <laughs> that's not a thing um but you know, yeah, maybe I could get more ports or a better graphics card or RGB lighting behind my keyboard. Uh, <laughs> the important, the important things. things. Um, yeah. So, but I will say, you know, it, it, the other side of this is um, Intel stagnating, and it, the the processor market's not really going anywhere. Um, you know. Uh, AMD is kind of eating Intel's lunch on the multi-core front. You know, their th- was it the Threadripper series of, of their processors is generally faster and less expensive than what Intel's offering. Um, Intel's kind of got like their server market stuff. It's, you know, that's like their, I don't know, mainstay. Like that, that's, that's what they're excelling at but it doesn't even really feel like they're doing that. Uh, there's no like excellence there. So if Apple's going to like crack this open and say, we're switching to a whole new thing, we're going arm and you know, we're going to we're just see what happens. Um, I, I think that's actually pretty exciting. And you know, who knows what happens when you have laptops and computers that draw a whole lot less power and still do 
a lot, you know, faster computation. You know, it, and, you know, I, I won't say, I, I don't mean it to sound like a, like, because I'm a fan, this is the explanation for it, but it could honestly be part of the explanation for why their PCs have kind of stagnated is because this has been rumored for so long. It's been three years or more that them transitioning to arm has been a rumor that there could be some truth to the fact that that's why they didn't focus on improving their, their computer market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in these computers, you know, they take years to develop from concept to design, to manufacture, to ship. Like there's a long pipeline and uh, yeah, who who knows what that's looked like internally? Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, if if they've been having a little bit of struggle. You know, maybe maybe the software is not where it needs to be. Maybe the hardware designs weren't where they needed to be. But um, I find it curious that all these rumors kick up, and it it feels like they're doing. You know, um, the information is being leaked on purpose, right? Right. Like this is a thing that Apple is known to have done about things. And this kind of feels like maybe, maybe this is what's going on. Like this is such a huge change that they're going to piss off a bunch of people with it and they need to softball this as much as possible. And so get it out there, let it saturate, like, you know, get the idea out there first and let the conversation happen so that when they do drop the ball, you know, you know, they, they, they drop the announcement, it's going to be less of a shock. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've talked a whole bunch about this. I I don't know if it makes a huge difference for you guys. I fully expect that all of the Apple software is going to run great. You know, I think they're going to do their, their internal job and have everything ready to go. Uh, the big question is what happens to third party software yeah. and, and other functionality in the systems. You know, there's a big question about Thunderbolt, right? Like, arm like thunderbolt hasn't been implemented on an arm processor yet but that's like a huge portion of of apple's gameplay for their peripherals you know like their their monitors and or the one monitor they have um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know what happens there like that's gonna all have to be part of those new processors that they designed so this is like a really big shift yeah, it's going to be interesting because I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with one ARM computer, but the rest of their lines stay Intel, and they kind of slowly transition into it. Right, and that's kind of what they did with the Intel transition, right? Like they, there were they they started. They said, okay, we're going to make Intel machines. We're going to give some Intel like development computers to developers. And then when they actually started shipping it, was it a MacBook? Is that what it was? Laptop? Like the first so. one? And then they had the Mac mini, you know, and they kind of slowly built up the product line and, and transitioned it through, but it took a while. Oh, uh, I mean the G5, is that what it was? Lasted for way longer than it, than it normally would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covered our topics for the week. Uh, you guys are less excited about the 
arm transition than I was. <laughs> I, I'm very excited, about, or I'm very interested in it. But just there's not enough to say yet until we find out what their what their plan is. So. Yeah, 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 true. Who knows? Maybe maybe it's a whole lot of nothing. I'm very excited uh, for for our. I don't know if it'll be the next podcast, the next episode, or the episode after where we get to talk about WWDC and and yeah. I'm thinking it's going to be probably not the next episode, but, but the one after that, because the next episode, it's got quite a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be gaming heavy again. Uh, but we're also going to talk about the movie brick. So this is a reminder to go watch brick. Uh, if you want to sort of be up to date with what we're going to be talking about, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, so sometime in the next you know week or so, I'm going to check it out, but, uh, and I'll rewatch it because I love that movie. And Brett just has it running in the background all the time, all the yeah. time, constant. Well, no, it's just it's a it's all of Ryan Johnson's films just one after another on repeat. Plus, Inception. you have it in in a looper. <laughs> in a oh, wow, I see what you did there. But in clever, you know that you, you can cut that. We're out. No, that's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the end right there. Just boom, cut.